Finite Thoughts Podcast. Hi, this is Shane Vandergaard. Welcome back to another episode. This has been a crazy week. Um, it's been a crazy last 30 days has, have been nuts. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're feeling the same way. Actually, the whole sp- 2020, can we just get a do-over for 2020? I, I would love a do-over for 2020. I mean, first, we had, we're dealing with COVID-19. Uh, we were locked down. Now, I was pretty much all the way opened up uh, June 1st was the first day m- that most of our restrictions that were still in place expired. And that was the driving COVID-19, COVID-19, COVID-19. That was the driving force of, of the news cycles every day. Uh, now, now we're having a discussion about police shootings and, and police brutality as well as uh, uh, on the periphery, you got criminal justice reform based off of an event that happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota with George Floyd uh, being killed by a Minneapolis police officer when he was, um, he, he, uh, det- he um, detained him, restrained him on and had him on, on the ground and he had his knee on his uh, neck and, and basically Floyd um you know, he was asphyxiated. I don't know what the official cause of death was, uh, but but it was pretty clear that the police officer, um, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head, was responsible for that. Uh, he has been since he's since been arrested as well as the other three police officers who were with him and did nothing uh, to stop this. Um, so you have had protests launch. Right, well, rioting in Minneapolis, protests nationwide, rioting occurring nationwide, including in Des Moines. Um, uh, Kelvia, uh, my daughter, and I covered uh, a number of the protests and then riots on, over the weekend, and and we're actually on the ground uh, providing you know Facebook live streams as it was happening, and. Fortunately, uh, and I'm very, I'm very relieved about this. That that since Sunday the protests have been peaceful, and I and I I think that was a tent. I I've, I've been trying to distinguish between protesters and rioters because while yes, there there's definitely some overlap, but I think for the most part they are two different groups. Uh, you have people who are agitating, and then you got the the peaceful protesters. But anyway, I'm just I'm starting to ramble here. That's not really what I wanted to talk about uh, because I, 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 I wanted to bring those things up because what I do want to talk about was really kind of uh, off the off the off the side. It was nobody was really paying a lot of attention to it, but we had a primary election uh, because even in the midst of all of these things, our electoral process still goes on. So primary night uh with tuesday night was remarkable in a couple different ways one we in iowa we saw um a nine-term congressman lose his bid for uh uh re- being renominated as republican nominee in in iowa's fourth congressional district uh, congressman steve king lost to uh state senator randy feenstra also remarkable uh we had 500,000 iowans vote and that blew away the last record uh, for a June primary. And in the Republican primary, um, we had 
78% of all votes cast were absentee ballots, and that was primarily due, uh, not not primarily, it was due to Iowa Secretary of State Paul Pate sending every Iowan a, a, uh, an absentee ballot request, and a lot of people took him up on that. Uh, in the Republican primary in Iowa's 4th Congressional District, it was like six, 61,000, I believe, Um out of 80,000 that voted. So uh, I, I forgot to check what it was statewide. Um, oh, by the way, the 78%, that was for the Iowa 4th Republican uh, Congressional District. That wasn't statewide. I, I don't know that stat off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's, if it was that high up up in Iowa's 4th, it was, that's probably, I think, probably close to what everybody was doing or what we're seeing it, you know, statewide. Just remarkable. Um, by the way, I want to encourage you to check out my analysis uh, on caffeinatedthoughts.com about uh, why it was, it's entitled uh, Why Steve King Lost. Uh, so you, you should be able to find that on the front page of caffeinatedthoughts.com. If you haven't read it already, I encourage you to do so. Then um, what I want to f- talk about today is, is provide a preview for the Iowa S- Senate race now that we know Teresa Greenfield is the Democratic nominee. I think everybody expected her to be the nominee other than maybe the people running against her for the Democratic nomination. She won easily. Um, She's been the candidate that Republicans have focused on the most, so she's going to be challenging U.S. Senator Joni Ernst, who I had a chance to speak with uh, yesterday morning. So so before I get to that interview, uh, I also want to mention Two, I include a clip in this podcast episode from Jeff Kaufman talking about uh, Teresa Greenfield and some of the claims that she's made about corporate PAC money. And I I also dig into that a little bit further later in the podcast. So without further ado, here's my conversation with U.S. Senator Joni Ernst. So the first uh, question I wanted to ask you is, is, are you changing anything up in this uh, for this general election compared to 2014. So what do you, what's staying the same? What maybe, what are you maybe doing differently? Well, obviously Shane with COVID-19 things have changed significantly from 2014. And I love to get out and visit face to face with Iowans. Um, I love being with people I love being out with constituents and hearing their ideas and their thoughts. And it's a little more constrained so far in this election cycle. Uh, We have to do things more by Facebook Live and Teletown Hall and conference calls. And it's just not as easy to get out and hear directly from those Iowans. So, yes, things have changed. But the premise still remains the same, still fighting for Iowa, still, you know, working very hard for our farmers, our small businesses, our veterans. All of those things will remain consistent then through this campaign as well. So I just want Iowans to know that I'm still fighting for them. I'm still making them squeal. We're going to continue on down that path. And we've we've had a successful six years but there's a heck of a lot more that we can do. That's a good segue into uh, my next question is you know, what, what would you say is your greatest achievement 
in the six years you spent in the Senate so far? Well, I can't single out one greatest achievement because everything I've worked on means different things to different groups. And the folks in Cedar Rapids would say securing the funding for their flood mitigation project, which they had been fighting for for 10 years, they would probably say that's the most significant achievement. If you look at um, our farmers and those that are in the biofuels industry, many of them would say that securing E15 year round, you know, working with this administration, that that would be the most significant achievement. Um, so many different areas uh, that I have worked in, but it's all done for Iowa. Um, so, uh, you know, I've had a number of bills signed, but each one will mean something different to the other. But overall, I think just really giving Iowa a voice and fighting, just as the president has said, you know, I'm a relentless fighter. Um, that's, that's probably the greatest achievement is being able to project what Iowans are thinking uh, on the national scale. Okay. And conversely, what has been your biggest disappointment? I think that uh, my, my efforts, of course, to cut back on federal spending, while I remain committed to that, my greatest disappointment is that there are others um, in Congress that don't think that that's a priority. Um, certainly, we just saw with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, we had just spent $3 trillion, mm -hmm. and yet they wanted to spend another $3 trillion, like it was nothing. And that, to me, is the greatest disappointment, is that we are tapping out on what we can do as a federal government. We've got to figure a way to tackle the, the debt and the deficit spending. And when you have attitudes like that, it's really hard to achieve. Yeah, it just seems like that the printing press is just going to keep going burr and we don't have to, we just kick the can down the road and nobody's really talking about the debt anymore. Because um, it. Right. So, uh, what's. Um, Coming into the U.S. Senate and, and your time there, what has surprised you the most? I mean, what were you? I think what, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, no, I was just going to say the difference between how we operate in the Iowa State Senate and the way we operate in the United States Senate. And I think if we operated more like we do at the state level, we'd get a heck of a lot more done. Um you know, I've explained to so many constituents how we work in the Iowa State Senate, and you're really familiar with that. We all mm -hmm. sit at our desk, and we're all right there, and we can all talk to each other in one giant room. And uh, I still have a bench at the back of the Senate, the Iowa Senate, that the guys will still, they still call it Joni's Bench. And a, a group of them, Dan Zambon, Tim Capuzian, and several others, they sent me a picture not too long ago. They were all sitting back at that bench. And they said, you know, hey, we're getting work done at Joni's bench. And they just knew that if we had disagreements or needed to work through a piece of legislation, whether it was Republican or Democrat, we could, you know, grab someone that you're working on a bill with, and I'd take them back to the bench. We'd sit down, we'd hammer out the legislation, work through those differences, and then present something that would be acceptable to the body. 
And in the United States Senate, it may take you three weeks to get on another senator's calendar just to have a 15, 20 minute conversation. It's crazy. You know, we can talk in passing, you know, when we're voting on the floor, but we all have such heavy schedules that it, it really does become difficult uh, to work through some of the uh, pieces of legislation. And, and that's why it takes a long time. And sometimes that's okay. But I just wish there was a greater congeniality and a way that we could just sit down and hammer out legislation like we did in Iowa. Yeah, I mean, you guys rarely even see each other on the floor because, you know, I, I get your videos when you're doing a giving a floor speech. Yeah. And I think most people yeah. don't realize you're usually giving that to an empty chamber, aren't you? Empty, especially now with COVID. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. It's yeah. Been so, yeah. So. So um, as far as, uh, you know, leading up to November, what is your primary focus for your campaign? I mean, what are some of the issues you're going to really be hammering on? Well, uh, there is so much more work that we need to be doing. And I think one thing that has popped its ugly head up in maybe the last couple of years is just the, the rise of socialism and kind of the coastal liberal elites are really pushing, you know, the government-run health care, um, the Green New Deal, all of these things which sound like this perfect utopia, but it's not. We've seen these ideas in other countries, and they've failed horribly. Um, they would cost us jobs here in the United States, set us back. Um, the Green New Deal itself, you know, an extreme cost to the American taxpayer, and it, it would eliminate our farming. So it, there's just so many things that now we're fighting for our Iowa values, but we're also fighting against the coastal liberal elite. Yeah, so uh, final question, because I know I was told you have about 10 minutes this morning. So yeah. why, sh why should Iowans send you back? I think the word relentless is, uh, as the president put it, is an apt uh, reason. You know, I am one of the greatest advocates for Iowa, and I'm proud to stand amongst leaders like Senator Grassley and Governor Reynolds, you know, fighting, fighting, fighting for Iowa's interests, whether it's in renewable fuels, our farms, our small businesses, our manufacturing, you know, I will fight, fight, fight um, relentlessly for Iowa. I am a tireless defender. Um, you know, I think my constituents have seen that. I think they appreciate that they have a voice on the national level. And I will continue to take their voices to Washington, D.C. Well, Senator Ernst, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And, and I look forward to hopefully getting you back on with us uh, before the election. You bet. Thanks so much, Shane. Here's what Jeff Kaufman had to say to reporters about, about the uh, upcoming U.S. Senate race. I, I want to just give a little bit of a, uh, of, a, of a transition, I guess this would be, between uh, the comments that we've made and the points we're trying to make about Teresa Greenfield uh, to now when, uh, there, there, I mean, obviously there was no drama on, uh, there was no drama whatsoever on uh, Tuesday night with Teresa Greenfield. Chuck Schumer made sure of that. I told you before uh, that uh, we were planning on Teresa Greenfield the entire time. 
Um, no surprises, uh, you know, just like the coronation of Hillary in 2016, unlike the Republicans, the Democrats can buy uh, a, uh, a primary. And um, that, uh, and, and I just, I would just throw out there uh, because I, I don't wanna focus on, on the pre, I wanna look ahead, but if you just juxtapose what happened on Tuesday with the Republican primary in 2014, where it was a knockdown drag out. We had uh, a wide variety of peoples um, uh, that were uh, backing the five candidates and truly uh, the winner of that primary, which obviously at that point was, uh, was Joni Ernst, that truly came from the people. Uh, there was nobody in DC, uh, especially the, uh, in this particular case, the minority leader uh, that was putting his foot on the pedal. The other thing that, and I, and I will use this to transition um, ahead for the general election, we still have a we still have a lot of unanswered questions. So the, one of the first things that 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 we are going to emphasize, you're probably going to hear me say this again and again and again, is we didn't get answers in the primary, and and we didn't have to because Chuck Schumer. I mean, if if Chuck Schumer gave the thumbs up, then she'd answer. Uh, Chuck Schumer did not give the thumbs up. And so there's all kinds of issues that Teresa Greenfield has to uh, answer for. And, then, and they, will be, they will develop as we go. The most important thing though, is this charade. And, and I would actually call this a political spin. This is actually a lie of this taking no corporate donations. And again, aside from the, aside from the merits of whether a campaign should take or shouldn't take, that's, beside the, that's besides the, the fact. The point is you cannot continue to say that you're not taking corporate donations when you are. I mean, that's something that should be called out. I can only imagine, can only imagine if Joni Ernst was making that claim. Uh, the, the absolute, uh, you know, the, the, the just absolute sanctimonious gasp that would be heard around the state uh, from, from the Democrats. And I, I just want to—I just want to say, state again, since she's going to continue as long as Chuck tells her to. Uh, when he beams down, I suppose they text or they beam. I don't know how they get into that windowless basement, but but uh, Schumer finds a way. Um, but uh, the—I just want to reinforce again: Greenfield received two hundred thousand dollars from leadership pack. That's not Kaufman spin; that's fact. Um, and they rely on corporate donations. We know that. In addition, more than 600,000 she received from corporate CEOs and executives, 66,000 from corporate lobbyists, and millions, millions from, from Schumer, which is corporate donations. Related to what Jeff Kaufman had to say, I wanted to play an ad that the Ernst, well, actually a video, I don't think it's actually being played on TV, but a video they released last week before the primary targeting Teresa Greenfield, it was called uh, Unplugged and Untruthful, targeting her for comments she's made about corporate PAC money. And the, and the thing I enjoy about it is that it's, it's, it's just a montage of her getting railed on by her primary opponents uh, during the last U.S. Democratic U.S. Senate debate. Uh, run by WHO uh, TV, and then Dave Price was uh, moderating. So here's that clip. 
out of hundreds of current sitting U.S. senators who received money from corporate lobbyists, um, candidate Greenfield was number 20 on that list. She says she wants to end corruption, but she's taking corrupt money. That money goes from lobbyists and corporate PACs and Bain Capital and businesses. They only donate to influence our elected officials. You can't tell people, smile at people and tell them you're not taking corporate PAC money when you're taking tens of thousands of dollars of corporate PAC money. $153,000 from corporate lobbyists. Miss Greenfield must be very well coached because she does keep saying it. I can't control at this point in time what dark money groups do. I have nothing to say about it. You could just say, please take those things off the air. They're dirty. I don't want any part of it. You know, Dave, I don't control those groups. You can't tell people, smile at people, and tell them you're not taking corporate PAC money when you're taking tens of thousands of dollars of corporate PAC money. I have nothing to say about it. I reported back in February um, Greenfield's disconnect with what she's saying about corporate PAC money and or dark, a, aka dark money and they if you're not sure why they call it dark money it's because of uh, uh, they don't have to release the names of their donors so we don't know who's actually donating to them but she made this comment at a meet and greet in Marshalltown um, back in fe February 7th she said quote and I intend to take this fight to every single county every single precinct across the state to defeat Joni Ernst's fall and bring back this United States Senate seat to Iowa for someone who's going to put Iowa first, not special interests. You know, Joni Ernst has taken over $1.7 from special interest groups, corporate lobbyists. And I tell you what, when you're beholden to those kinds of special issues, you're not putting Iowa first. And I take a pledge not to accept any corporate PAC donations. And then she notes, and Citizens United has endorsed her campaign. And then she went on to say, um, she was asked a question about campaign finance later in the event, and she said, quote, it's why I've taken a, a, um, taken a path not to accept any corporate PAC donations as part of my campaign. Look, I've worked in small businesses all my life, and I understand business and, and appreciate, hey, we're in, a state of, we're in a state of small towns and small businesses, but I tell you what, that kind of influence, which is different than your influence, you know, you as an individual, the maximum you can donate is uh, $5,600. That's a pretty good chunk of change for sure. But corporate corporations and wealthy individuals can put unlimited amounts into these dark money groups. And that's just wrong. So, um, you know, here's the thing. And this this is some of the things, uh, some of the information I pulled together back in uh, February. Let's see here. Scrolling down. Okay. Um, in 2019, Greenfield in 2019 accepted $356,000, over little over $356,000 in PAC contributions, making up slightly over 10% of her total contributions. Now, that's obviously less than what uh, U.S. Senator Joni Ernst has raised, but Greenfield, not Ernst, is the one who's complaining about dark money and the one who pledged not to take corporate PAC money. Of Greenfield's PAC donations, and again, this is 2019, um, only 5,000 could be attributed to business-related PACs, while 62, a little over 62,000 came from labor interests and 291,000 from progressive groups. 
Her largest donor in 2019 was abortion advocacy group Emily's List, which donated uh, almost $86,000. And um, ironically, and Citizens United, which, by the way, is a dark money group, gave Greenfield $17,500. So also in, in, in the race in 2019, there was uh, $29,000 spent by outside uh, dark money groups in uh, in in Iowa's U.S. Senate campaign opposed to Ernst, and you know that's obviously going to increase as we get closer to November. So, it, it just it, her her um, statement about corporate de- corporate PAC money and her, and her pledge to to um, not uh, accept corporate PAC money is it just rings hollow. It's and. Um, and she needs to consist, you know, consistently be called out on it um, until she actually follows through on what she says she's going to do anyway. But uh, that, you know, I, I, that, this is something definitely I think you're going to hear over and over and over again from Republicans uh, as we head into the Iowa U.S. Senate, you know, races general election that she's just she just lies about this. So, I mean, again taking in corporate PAC money, nothing wrong with it. Just don't complain about it as you take it in. Be consistent. That's all they're saying. So, Hey, thank you so much for taking time to listen to the Caffeinate Thoughts podcast. This concludes this episode of the podcast. If you happen to be listening to uh, our podcast somewhere other than on our website, please be sure to check out caffeinatedthoughts.com. Again, that's caffeinatedthoughts.com. Dot com, or you could just search up Caffeinated Thoughts and it'll show up at the top of your search screen. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, sign up for our emails. That way you don't miss a single update. Also, we encourage you to listen to this podcast and subscribe to it using your favorite podcast app, whether that's Apple Podcasts or, um, or uh, Spotify or soundcloud or podbean or who am i missing stitcher google play there's all sorts of options out there if uh, you use one that we you cannot access the caffeinate thoughts podcast um, using that app you know please uh, drop me a line at shane at caffeinated thoughts.com and i'll try to make sure i you know see if we can make that happen again hey thanks everybody this is uh, shane vanderhart have a great weekend. I don't think we'll have another episode until next week, but stay safe. Talk to you later.